This is the Stockton San Joaquin County Public Library. Welcome back. I'm Brianna. And I am Marilee. It's my lovely guest. And we are here to do the Goodreads Virtual Book Club, uh, which is a book club that happens every month. And you can find out more information if you go to goodreads.com, search SSJCPL. This month, we are reading God Shot by Chelsea Beaker on Facebook. And then if you hop on to our Instagram, I'll be talking about When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. We're doing a special double feature. All right. So before we get into our discussion, I'm just gonna give you a little rundown of Godshot. Uh, so Godshot takes place in a fictional town called Peaches, which is somewhere near Fresno, California in the Central Valley. The main character is Lacey May. She's a 14 year old who lives with an alcoholic mother and is part of a very interesting, shall we say, church that really takes over her life. And through the novel, we find out more about this church, its pastor, whose name is Vern, and everything that they're up to, as well as Lacey May and her mother. All right. All right. Are you We're ready to delve into some questions. So while reading Got Shot, I experienced a roller coaster of emotions. And you will too. From disgusted to intrigued to pride for characters finding their voice. Did you experience a similar reaction while you read the book? Yes, I very much did. It is a roller coaster of emotions. You feel everything. You feel pity for Lacey May and you feel almost protective of her because she's so young and in so many ways, she's still very naive. Uh, this town of Peaches is so small and so insular and her world is made even smaller by being a part of this religious church um, that you just really feel for her. You feel a lot of complex feelings about her relationship with her mother. Uh, you felt, I felt a lot of complex feelings about her mother, which I thought it was a really good turn by the author because you kind of experience what Lacey feels towards her mother and it's also a lot of complex feelings. And just about the town in general, like uh, the when I first started reading it, I thought it was a post-apocalyptic novel because it's like a wasteland, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. seriously affected by drought in a town that chooses to kind of portion themselves off from the rest of the world. Which is such an interesting thing. Um, Brianna and I had been discussing earlier how they didn't leave. They stayed where they were after, what, seven years mm -hmm. of no rain. And they stuck to this place. And how we do that in places that we know, rather than going to somewhere we don't and just the comfort we get from the known, even if it is an unhealthy known or norm um, for us or those around us. So, so it was tough. And I, I, um, I don't know that I would call it the 
in anything to do with religion. <laughs> it, it really is a cult, it, with, which is based solely on the man and um, his ideas of himself. But that's giving away too much. So let's move on to the next question. Um, after, the, after blessing the town with rain once, which we just kind of talked about, the residents, residents of Peaches put all their faith in Pastor Vern, who's the pastor of this cult. Um, do you think he planned to create such a faithful following when he came to Peaches? Or did he take advantage of an opportunity presented to him? I definitely think he took advantage of an opportunity mm -hmm. presented to him. I think it's pure coincidence that he happened to be there and it happened to rain mm -hmm. one time. I mean, we live in the valley. We know it doesn't rain a lot here, but it does rain. So I I think it was pure coincidence, but I think he saw a town full of desperate people willing to go to whatever lengths necessary to get back what they had before, the kind of like revitalize their area and their neighborhood, mm -hmm. get back a little of their prestige. Uh, Peaches was the raisin capital, yeah. and they took a lot of pride in that. Um, and a lot of people, uh, it talks about in the beginning of the book, had committed suicide because their crops had failed. Mm -hmm. And I think he definitely saw this desperation and took it as an opportunity to do something he wanted to do for himself and build up a following with adoring people mm -hmm. towards him. So. Yeah. It was like a long running con. He was able to just con these people for year after year after year after year. And it was successful. Not financially though, was it? I'm not, I'm not recalling. It, I think, and it, I mean, the novel doesn't talk a lot about it, but mm -hmm. he lived in the nicest house. He had green lawns in his house and he was able to go grow grapes okay true like no one true. else and i i feel like there was some monetary something happening there mm -hmm. yeah though so it's never clearly stated or a known fact so cherry is devout in her dedication to Vern and his church and cherry is cherry is lacy may's uh very religious zealot of a grandma mm -hmm. um and I think for Cherry, she, her husband, Jackie, had committed suicide because his crops had failed. And I can't quite remember the timeline, but it's very shortly after that the rains came and yeah. Vern was there. And I think she chose to turn her grief in a different direction and really not quite deal with it mm -hmm. by throwing herself into this new church. Yeah. I I think you're right. I think that's, that is very, very true. Do you think deep down Cherry has some misgivings, regardless of this, with Vern's church? I think she does. I think deep down she knows, and I think she tries to tell Lacey, but ultimately can't or doesn't want to disconnect from this fantasy life she's built around Vern and around the church because if she disconnects from that, her life will crumble and her grief will topple her. Mm -hmm. um, it's discussed in the book, but she still drives around the hearse that carried her husband's body. 
she still uses that as her main mode of transportation with his casket in the back. Um, and oh my. so I mean, I think that shows her, her level of self delusion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think, I think she knows, but I think it would be too, too difficult or too painful for her to let it go. Mm -hmm. oh, I just cannot sometimes <laughs> wrap my brain around that. It seems like it would be so easy not to fall into such a, swirl of emotions but it it happens and and people do get lost in their grief or in other emotions as well so it can you can't understand on a certain level what cherry is going through and appreciate how she tries to deal with it though it is Extreme. beyond understanding at the same time it's crazy okay g-o-t-s stands for so it's the Gathering of the Spirit Church is okay. what GOTS stands for. GOTS is the name of the cult. Can easily be classified as a cult. Huh. Thank you. Yes. Considering other cults, why do you think the residents of Peaches were so willing to put all their faith in Vern for so long? I think again, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, is they're desperate to revitalize what they had even though they know i think they all know it's never coming back but it's it's painful to watch some your loved one die like cherry but i think it's even more painful to watch an entire town die mm -hmm. and that's been happening slowly and slowly as more and more families are leaving peaches because there's nothing there they don't have running water mm -hmm. they don't have anything to drink Vern goes as far as to tell them not to drink any water so they're feeling the physical effects from that too, mm -hmm. which I think only adds to it. I think too, kind of when you've gone so far into something, it's so hard to turn around mm -hmm. because you're so far in it. Yeah. Um, and you've, you've put all your life savings or all everything you have into this and it would be so hard to admit to yourself that you were wrong, mm -hmm. that you made a mistake and have to repair everything that you've done and start over from nothing. Winter reading is happening right now. Join the challenge. It's as easy as one, two, three. One, read books. Children zero to 12 read 10 books. Teens and adults read three books. Two, submit a reading log online at sSJcpl.org or in person at your nearest local SSJCPL branch and three pick up your prizes available at your local SSJCPL branch while supplies last winter reading ends on January 31st I think um, land ownership has something to do with that too you know you just don't leave what you own. And if you poured so much of yourself into that and into land in particular, mm -hmm. because it is a flaky mistress, it is hard to just walk away. And I think there's a, even a greater connection to something yeah. when it is land and you own and have worked it for so much. Yeah. And that's a really good point because this is a farming community. This. Mm -hmm. This is what they know and this is what they do is they farm the land mm -hmm. and you know they 
reap what it sows and it's not this land isn't producing anything and this man comes along and he brought the rain once so they truly believe that he can bring it again and they can just continue on with this existence that is the only existence they've ever known mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree that makes it so hard despite abandoning her and often placing her in questionable circumstances Lacey is still extremely attached to her mother. What does this say about the bond between a mother and a daughter? I think it says a lot, and there's so much literature about mothers and daughters specifically because mm. it is a very complicated relationship. No matter if you have a wonderful relationship with your mother or if you don't, um, I think and at least in this case for Lacey, I think in a way her mom is trying to not succumb to this trauma of her life. I feel like there's a lot of generational trauma mm. in the novel, especially on the female side from all of the females in the town. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Lacey's mom doesn't know, she doesn't have the tools or the skills to be a mother, but she still wants to be. She still loves Lacey. And you can tell how much she does love her, but you can also see she doesn't really have any tools to be a parent. Because she was young herself. She was very when young she had Lacey. when she had Lacey. And her mother wasn't much of a parent either, mm -hmm. which you see her trying to parent mm -hmm. Lacey later in the book. Um, and it, you can just, kind of see how this snowballed out of hand all of these mothers who don't quite know how to mother and don't really know how to be a daughter or relate be especially in this world of Godshot where the men kind of reign supreme mm -hmm. like that and I that has a lot to do with Vern and Vern's beliefs and they're following him but it's like the men's way or the highway basically mm -hmm. and a lot of of the women in the novel don't know how to feel their own agency mm -hmm. um but there is a lot of love between the mothers and the daughters in the book despite of that um, and i think towards the end we get a better and more hopeful representation of a strong mother-daughter bond uh, Lacey is also able to form new bonds mm -hmm. with new, other women. Yes. With other women, new ways of seeing mothers in different women and kind of finding what she needs to grow herself to be a better person in different relationships. Mm -hmm. I try not to give too much away. I know, and I, I was <laughs> I was thinking that for all of you that are listening, there. We're just touching the surface. There is so much more to this book, and the author does a fantastic job in building the characters. These are not stagnant characters. They are continually growing and changing and becoming more of themselves, understanding or not, because I don't think we ever really hear how um, Lacey's mom even dealt with her dad's suicide mm -hmm. and, and that has to play a huge part in, in who she becomes as a woman. So there are so many things that go on in this book and you see these characters just 
evolve more and more and it just makes it that much more of a difficult read because because you get so connected with the characters and and you get to know them so well because of how well she writes this book it is a well written for, is this a first it's a debut it's a debut novel so it's it's really really well done it is very well done and i think not only does she touch on very well on mothers and daughters but also the idea of loneliness mm -hmm. and i think that again plays into how Vern really stays in power and mm -hmm. comes to power is and we've talked about peaches being very isolated but he does a very good job of isolating people with the church but also isolating people within the church mm -hmm. because some people are deemed more special than other people and they are even more closed off and Lacey becomes one of the more special people and she has a very fraught relationship with that but I think it just fuels into her loneliness and her trying to figure out how to deal with that she's only 14 so she's trying to figure out how you know her feelings of abandonment and just like crippling loneliness because there's no one really in her life until she meets uh, some other characters who really value her or take mm -hmm. an interest in her as other than a commodity yeah. to be used. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really good point and she did that really well. Because mm -hmm. a lot of characters are battling cripple, crippling loneliness. Mm -hmm. Her mother, Lacey's mother. We don't know the dad. No, we don't know her dad. We don't know who her dad is. But she just keeps replacing man after man mm -hmm. after man after man to try and battle her own inner demons and loneliness. Mm -hmm. Cherry has these weird taxidermy creatures <laughs> she sews costumes for as a way of her trying to battle her loneliness. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just is rampant. Yeah. And I think it's even more so as more and more people start to leave. Mm -hmm. It's becoming a ghost town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that there are, I, I don't want us to paint such a picture because there are healthy people in here too. Yes. Um, that really befriend and get to know Lacey and help to bring her to a new place in her life. So there is this just variety of people in this book that that um it's it's worth a hurtful read it is it's it, not easy it's it's a it is described as gritty for a reason it is a gritty read but it is amazing to see the characters play off of each other even the minor characters make a big difference in Lacey's world and in the world of godshot um and we do hope that you like it mm -hmm. and that you read it. And if you do read it, leave us a comment down below. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Uh, and if you would like to continue the discussion, you can go to goodreads.com, search SSJCPL. We also hope that you come back in April. We're going to read Clap When You Land. It's a novel told in verse for National Poetry Month, which is in April. And I will have two new special guests so I hope you join me then. All right, thank you so much. And thank you, Marilee, for join doing this book talk with me. Yes, I do. <laughs> thank you for reminding me. Yes. If you did like, read, if you did like Godshot, here's some read for you.
Um, the first one I have is called Shiner by Amy Jo Burns. It's another tale about teen girls living in rural settings. Shiner takes place in Appalachia, West Virginia, as they grapple with poverty, um, imposed isolation, and cult-like religious figures. And then Brass is another novel I think you'd like, and that is by Jeanette Aliou. And it's another tale with lots of flawed and complex characters um, in different emotional situations with very strong teen um, mother-daughter bonds and relationships. Very complex, but strong bonds. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll like both of those. And I would just add, sorry. Yeah. I would just add a girl with a louding voice. It's set in Nigeria, but it too is a 14-year-old uh, girl who gets sold into marriage and, and then just how what road her life goes down. And her mother is a great influence, though she is not alive in the story. But there's just this, uh, also these great female relationships throughout this book as well. So I recommend that one. Nice, I haven't read that one, but I will now. Yes, you will. Maybe we'll read it on here someday. There you go, there you go. <laughs> All right, thank you. And thank you, Marilee, My for pleasure. being a part. My pleasure. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. We are now offering Chromebooks and hotspots, including charging cables, for checkout. All kits come with an easy-to-carry bag and are available at your nearest SSJ CPL branch. Check for availability by calling 209-937-8221 or check out the online catalog at ssjcpl.org. Hi, and welcome back to the Goodreads Virtual Book Club. This is Brianna, uh, and this month we had something very special we are doing a double feature book club. So on Facebook, we have a special guest with us and we're gonna be talking about Godshot by Chelsea Beaker. And here, we're gonna be talking about When No One Is Watching uh, by Alyssa Cole. Oh, sorry about that technical difficulty. All right, so this is our book that we will be discussing here on Instagram Live. Um, this one has a lot of buzz and I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, just a little bit about the book before we get into it. There, it's a story, it's called Rear, it's tagged as Rear Window Meets Get Out, which I think is a very apt description for this novel. Um, and it's about a young woman named Sydney Green in her Brooklyn neighborhood when all of these new neighbors start appearing and old neighbors start disappearing. All right, so let's go ahead and we will just get right into it. All right, so I really, really like this one. It, it is penned as a thriller, and I did watch an interview with Alyssa Cole, and she describes it more as a social thriller, which I think is very apt. Um, and she used the thriller vehicle as a way to make social commentary, uh, which I really liked a lot, and I thought was a really cool concept. But it does follow Sydney Green. She's the main character and she's moved back to Brooklyn after a really terrible divorce to live with her mom. Um, we don't see a lot of her mom. We hear a lot about her, but we never actually see her in the novel. 
Um, so she's already going through some tough times and she's living in the brownstone that was her mom's um, with her friend Drea. And we it starts off right away uh, with a walking tour through Brooklyn. So she's on this walking tour um, and this person is kind of just glazing over history and kind of picking and choosing what historical facts they want to share about her neighborhood of Gifford Place. And Sydney knows actually a lot about her neighborhood and a lot about her neighbors. And um, so she kind of interjects and it creates a little bit of a uncomfortable situation. But that really gets the plot rolling. And I think what makes this book work so well is that Alyssa Cole has input a lot of real historical facts and real history of Brooklyn and New York into this novel. So crazy, it seems implausible, like it doesn't seem like that could happen, but it does. And I do think that really sets it up well for the rest of the story. Um, and so Sydney kind of sets out to start her own walking tour and her neighborhood every year they have a kind of um social gathering like a like a night out um basically but it's a social gathering of their neighborhood of Gibbard place and she's on the planning committee for that and we meet a lot of the cast of characters this book does have a wide cast of characters it has a lot of side characters and quite a few main characters as well the other main character besides sydney is a gentleman named Theo and he is one of the newcomers to Gifford Place. Um, he and his girlfriend Kim and they move into what is the was or was I should say the Payne house and he kind of inserts himself as Sydney's helper in uh, getting everything ready in Gifford Place and getting this walking tour ready for people. So he's kind of her research assistant, shall we say. Um, and so they, that's basically their connection and their connection grows throughout. Uh, and they each discover a lot about themselves and about all of the other people in this neighborhood. But that's the basis. So they start researching the neighborhood in Brooklyn for their guided walking tour that they're gonna present at their night out. So, that is kind of where it starts. And then things really start <laughs> to go really wrong. So there's um, a lot of people in this book and she gets a lot of help with her walking tour. And she, Alyssa Cole did a great job of kind of inserting small details that are unsettling, but you kind of forget about because you get so caught up in how the plot is moving that you're not really thinking about it. And I didn't think about it until afterwards, all of these little clues that she had included. Um, but it, basically what's happening to their neighborhood is it's being gentrified or revitalized. Um, and a lot of their neighbors are starting to go missing. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories around why the neighbors are going missing, what's happening to them, what are possible explanations for their disappearances. There's one theory um, that like mole people are taking them because supposedly there's tunnels underneath the city um, that lead to this 
another important place, this hospital. So this pharmaceutical company called Varentech wants to buy this old abandoned hospital near Gifford Place and bring their business there. And a lot of people are for and against it. There are a lot of protests about bringing Varentech in. A lot of people didn't want it whatsoever. So that kind of is already in the offshoot. And supposedly if Varentech does come, it's going to revitalize this neighborhood and bring some life into it, even though it's already a neighborhood with a lot of life and a lot of love. So there are a lot of people who have very strong opinions about this. And because Varentech is coming, coming, this company is coming, they have um, kind of set themselves up for all of these new people that come in. And these new people are really terrible. Uh, they don't want to preserve the historical integrity of the neighborhood. And they basically want to kick everybody who is currently in this historically black neighborhood. They want to kick them out. Um, and I do think that there is a quote from the book that says, people bury the parts of history they don't like pave it over like African cemeteries beneath Manhattan skyscrapers. And I think that's exactly right. I think that is what they're doing. Um, I did get some discussion questions to help guide my thoughts on this because I have a lot of thoughts on this novel. But I think revitalization and gentrification are definitely not the same. I think in this book, and granted it is a thriller, it is a horror, but this is happening, is a lot of these people because of so-called revitalizing neighborhoods, it's making these homes unaffordable to live in. Uh, it's a term called redlining, and it is in this book. Um, the term isn't, but it's a true term. It's happened in Stockton as well, where these neighborhoods just, the property taxes skyrocket and nobody can afford to live there anymore. And that's exactly what's happening in Gifford Place, kind of. I, she does a good job of laying down a lot of clues and kind of steering you a lot of different directions, but not steering you in the right directions for the story of how it's going to play out. Um, but so that's kind of the basis and that's what she's fighting against. Sydney is a pretty complex character. She has a pretty severe background. Uh, her divorce, like I said, it was really brutal and it took a toll on her and she's also suffering from her mom being so ill. You do find out more about her mother and what happened there, but she's really suffering a lot of depression and anxiety and she's not quite sure what to do with her life. She's not quite sure where to go, so she really throws herself into this uh, walking tour and planning for this walking tour. She definitely doesn't want Theo to come along with her. She wants to do it solo, but they do end up making a great team. Um, and I think Theo and Sydney, they both learn a lot from each other. Learning another language has never been easier. Rosetta Stone has 30 different languages to choose from. Visit ssjcpl.org and start learning today. This book is tagged as Rear Window Meets Get Out, and I do want to talk about that because I find it very apt. 
So for rear window anyways, it's kind of the thought of you don't really know what your neighbors are doing or um, you know, kind of what happens behind closed doors until you really start to look. And Sydney and Theo both really kind of start to look at each other and their neighbors in a new light. And I think especially uh, with Rear Window, when Jimmy Stewart's character sees his neighbor across the way and is so convinced that his neighbor is doing something weird and something wrong and nobody believes him until they have definitive proof. And that's exactly what happens in this story is uh, Theo sees something out his window, but he's kind of in, in, in an impaired state and nobody really believes what he saw from his window until there is definitive proof that he was correct. Um, and I think it's very apt too to relate it to the movie Get Out by Jordan Peele is it's this idea of racism and white supremacy and just telling the horrors of uh, what has happened to black people in society in a genre format. And Alyssa Cole is trying to do this as well in the genre format of a thriller. Um, pretty much all of the references she includes in the novel are real. Um, there's a mention of a town called Weeksville, which was a real uh, African-American community uh, created during slavery in Brooklyn that was for free African-Americans. They built houses, homes, uh, businesses, and all kinds of stuff. And then it just became a ghost town. And there still has, there's still a heritage center there and a heritage site that you can visit. But pretty much everything historical fact-wise she says in this book is true. Uh, I, which I looked it up for sure because I was very intrigued about all of these little references and tidbits that she mentions. Um, but so much of this stuff, especially the rear window idea of seeing something, knowing and feeling like something bad is happening in your neighborhood and with your neighbors, but not being able to prove it. And then kind of going to extreme circumstances in order to find out whether or not in fact that did happen or was happening. I'm really trying not to give anything away because this really does have an explosive ending. And I think for some kind of a polarizing ending from a lot of the reviews that I've read about uh, when no one is watching is people either love it or they don't. Uh, a lot of people felt it was a little bit rushed. I'd love to know what you guys think. You can always leave me a comment here or on Goodreads at goodreads.com, search SSJCPL to let me know what you thought. We can have a full spoiler discussion there. But it is unbelievable and believable. And I think that's the most terrifying part about this social thriller that Alyssa Cole has written is yes, it can seemingly be far-fetched, but history is just as far-fetched. There is that saying, truth is stranger than fiction. And I feel like this is especially true in this book. Uh, there is a lot of truth in here and a lot of what she says and what she describes is absolutely correct. Um, and that makes it that much more terrifying when you get to the ending and you find out what's happening, how and why 
these neighbors, there's a lot of neighbors are disappearing and being replaced with new families. Uh, there's one instance of a gentleman who gets replaced and the new family even has his dog, but it's almost like he's been completely erased. Um, and Theo and Sydney are the ones really trying to push to find out what exactly is happening to all of these neighbors who are disappearing. This is Alyssa Cole's first foray into the thriller genre, um, but I know a lot of her romances do have mystery aspects and I think that serves her really well. She does a really good job of pacing. Um, the ending is kind of a roller coaster, so the pacing starts off slow and then just like really, really, really picks up and then it ends. But I do think again that truth is stranger than fiction the ending, while maybe kind of suspending your belief, you don't really have to because history has proven that things like that have happened. I'm really, really trying not to give it away and it's very difficult not to talk about it. Um, but I think that she did a really great job of kind of laying the foundations for the ending all the way from the beginning. I think in that respect, her pacing was amazing. She carried it through the whole time. Uh, I think, I think truly for me, that is the most surprising aspect of when no one is watching is how the unbelievable can be made believable um, by laying the groundwork and the foundation and showcasing historical moments uh, in American history to make you kind of think and feel that, yeah, this could actually be real. This could have happened. Uh, this whole plot, while maybe unbelievable, is believable because she's laid the groundwork in historical facts that you're like, hmm, I need to do my research. I do think that if you enjoyed When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole, I have some read-alikes for you. I don't want to delve too much further into the discussion because I think I'm going to give away the ending and I don't, I want this to be as spoiler free as possible. Um, so here's some read-alikes for you. Uh, My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkin Breathwaite. Um, and this one is a book about coming to uncomfortable truths about family members um, and those closest to you, which you definitely find out in when no one is watching is also coming to uncomfortable truths about your neighbors and maybe your family members. My lips are sealed. Uh, another one I think that you'll like is Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff, which is also a series on HBO. And that one is another novel that explores systemic racism in a genre format. So in Lovecraft Country, the genre format is kind of all over the place, but more horror and sci-fi. Uh, Matt Ruff takes a lot of Lovecraftian themes and characters and kind of transforms them into something new and different. And I think Alyssa Cole does that as well. I think she takes the idea of a thriller and transforms it into something new and different to say something uh, important about American and society and give her own commentary on the state of our culture as a whole. And I think she does a really good job of it. So we're gonna have another special book club 
This time we are going to have two special guests and we are going to be reading Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. To stay up to date with library news, follow us at SSJCPL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit our website at SSJCPL.org.